Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, 
six seed going in uh, to the Elite Eight, and Whiteman can't jump was the number four seed. So uh, a lot of a uh, couple upsets there. Uh, the eight remaining teams, Friday Night Lights. It, it's clear that our listeners uh, obviously they prefer football movies as Friday Night Lights, Waterboy, Remember the Titans. Uh, Rudy, and to an extent, Jerry Maguire, not really, but I would say, so I don't really count it, but one, two, three, four of our Elite Eight are football movies. So uh, that is our Elite Eight for the um, best sports movie of all time bracket. Uh, As we discussed before, we left a couple out. Um, There was a few that probably needed to be on this list, like Blindside, uh, maybe the Mighty Ducks, but uh, this was our comprehensive list, uh, 64. Uh, I don't know. Looking at what's left here, I still, I really think Remember the Titans is going to take home the title. Uh, we'll see. I think, um, I think Sandlot's got a good chance as well as uh, Rudy. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. But uh, we're going to hurry up this along. Normally, we've given it a week to vote to go next Friday. Now that we only have eight teams left. We're going to do the final four Monday, and we're going to wrap things up on Friday. So uh, that's it for our best sports movie uh, of all time. Uh, So now I want to get into the Jake Paul fight. And um, listen, he's loud. He's famous for being on YouTube. um, But he hasn't fought anybody. I I don't care, like, who he's gotten into the ring with as far as, you know, how good they were in MMA, all right? That, that doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, and, and he got – he beat Ben Askren, okay? We all saw what Ben Askren – what happened to Ben Askren uh, by uh, Masvidal. He got knocked out in five seconds. I'm not uber impressed by Ben Askren as a fighter. Then uh, let's, <laughs> the first guy he beat was some person – some British YouTuber, Okay a British YouTuber who is not a professional boxer, okay? He's not. And he's five foot nine. Okay? He, he probably weighs like hundred and fifty pounds. So not really impressed by that. Okay? He beat he beat a YouTube fighter. Then he goes and plays Nate Robinson, fights Nate Robinson, who's also five foot nine, hundred and seventy five pounds or so. Small guy. Okay? Then he fights Ben Askren, who's five foot ten. All right, Ben Askren has had lost his last two fights against Masvidal and Damian Meja. Uh and before that, honestly, he was fighting in Bellator against nobodies, and he was fighting in one FC against nobodies. Um, I'm sorry, Ben Askren didn't have exactly a great MMA record against a bunch of name fighters. Uh, when he when he came to the UFC, he might have been undefeated. Whatever, he fought comp- legit competition. He lost quickly. Uh, Mazadal knocked him out in five seconds, and Damian Meja uh, choked him out in the third round. So, whatever. Now we get to Tyron Woodley, who actually has some legitimate MMA chops. Okay, Tyron Tyron Woodley. Also five foot nine, 170 pounds. A little bit bigger, okay? Slightly bigger. Um, but he's lost his last four fights to Usman, Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, and Vicente Luque. He's done, I think he's done fighting at a high level in, in UFC. 
Um, had some nice wins against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Robbie Lawler. Uh, but I think his time has passed. When you come into this fight losing four in a row, it's, you know, I'm not super impressed to see him fight Jake Paul. Uh, why Jake Paul, you know, goes after these smaller dudes, I don't know. He's six foot one. But, you know, everybody's making a big deal about his boxing career. He hasn't fought anybody. He fought in uh, – Tyron Woodley is at the end of his MMA career. Ben Askren is he's a chump, okay? And he hasn't fought a legitimate boxer yet. And so how Skip Bayless can come to this conclusion and say all these nice things about Jake Paul, I don't know. But let's go ahead and play the clip. Remember we had Jake Paul on the show? Yes. I'm into Jake Paul because I think he's legit. Yeah. I think he's for real. I told him this when we had him on the show. Right. I don't think he's just a hype master. I don't think he's all P.T. Barnum, hurry, hurry, step right up and watch this. Right. I don't think he's trying to convince people to watch something that's not real. I think he is taking this dead seriously, and I think watching Tyron Woodley yesterday, he's taking it dead seriously, yes. so to speak. I also last night got so fascinated by what happened at that, that we just that Jenny just talked mm-hmm. about that I started watching the All Access on Showtime. Mm-hmm. It was an hour long. I only intended to watch it for five minutes. I just wanted to get the drift of it, and I couldn't quit watching it on on both their counts right. because they're both fascinating the way they're building up to this fight. Mm-hmm. I believe Jake Paul will beat him badly. I, I believe Jake Paul is a legit boxer from everything I've seen and heard about him. And he, he wants to take it up to the highest level where he is competing. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll just, just watch. I think he is a legit boxer. And his brother. I, legit boxer. A legit boxer who hasn't fought anybody. Isn't fought a single person. Uh, that clip I cut off. Uh, but he was about to say that his brother, Logan Paul, um, is not as good as Jake Paul, but he gave Mayweather all that he wanted. Get out of here, Skip Bayless. Mayweather showed up that fight. 40, he was 43 years old. He didn't train. He didn't take it seriously. It was an exhibition match. He didn't even have to break a sweat in beating Logan Paul, hardly. So, miss me with that one, Skip Bayless. Jake Paul is not legitimate. He's not legitimate. And if, you know, he wants to be legitimate, then you got to be actual boxers. He likes to tout, oh, well, when Roy Jones Jr. and Floyd Mayweather and Saul Alvarez were all starting off, they, they, they didn't fight anybody. They fought nobody, too. Okay, but they fought other boxers, Jake Paul. They were at least other professional boxers. You fought a YouTube sensation, a miniature basketball player, and a nobody MMA fighter, and now you're fighting Tyron Woodley. I, I hope to God Woodley knocks him out to end this charade, but he may or he may not. But if you beat Tyron Woodley and Jake Paul, please, please fight someone that's got some boxing chops. I, you know, this is it's it's a joke, man. Like, who who's next? Who's next? Are you gonna fight Anderson Silva next? Oh, 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 maybe. Or maybe you'll pull, you know, uh, B.J. Penn out for a fight. 
if you're going to fight MMA people, then do it in their realm in the cage. If you want to box, get a boxer. Here's here's what I'm saying, too. With MMA and boxing, it's a completely different sport, okay? Your muscle memory is totally different, okay? If you are used to being in a cage and you are used to being able to wrestle and use your legs and uh, and fight that way, and then all of a sudden you're in a boxing match with these big gloves on, which are usually about 10 ounces, okay, um, and you're only allowed to use your hands. You can't, you can't kick. You can't go for a takedown. Your muscle memory is different. You're not trained the same way. And people would say, well, a combat sport is a combat sport. It's not. It's why if you ever saw a boxer, a professional boxer, try to get in there in MMA, they would probably lose. They're used to only fighting with their fists and having to keep their eyes on somebody's hands. And then you throw in the fact that you can kick and you can do takedowns. It's a whole different ballgame. And now you're asking the MMA fighter to go in there and do boxing when they're used to doing all these other things. You know, a lot of MMA guys, they might be good strikers, but that doesn't mean they're great boxers, okay? Boxing is a different sport. You can also get, with UFC too, and you see this a lot, you might get hit clean and go down, and then someone jumps on you and they just start beating on you fights over, right? In boxing, you can get caught uh, with, a, like, a flash knockdown where you get hit good and you go down. Then you got a 10 count to get up and kind of gather yourself, okay? So you're taking a lot of a beating throughout a longer time. Uh, compared to the UFC, you get caught once, someone jumps on you, it hits you a few times, the ref pulls them off. Um, I just think these guys are not trained in boxing, and so this will not be, to me, a legitimate fight. And I will not take Jake Paul seriously until he can start beating some boxers. And if he doesn't beat Tyron Woodley, this needs to be over. It needs to be over. So that's all I'll say about the Jake Paul fight. Um, you know, we'll see We'll see how many – what numbers it does. But, uh, you know, I don't think I, – I, I just think he's a joke. So – uh, you might disagree with me on that one, and that's, you know, that's your right, but um, I don't know. I think it sucks. So, moving on. Uh, we have Jameis Winston uh, winning the starting job for the quarterback for the Saints. I've heard he's had a procedure done to his eyes. Um, we know that he was the first quarterback, I believe, to throw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in the same season. Um, he's got a big arm. Uh, he always has. Uh, in Tampa Bay, he like, took a lot of chances, pushed the ball down the field. But the biggest problem for me is the Saints spent all this money on Taysom Hill that could have gone to other areas of the team. And I don't know how long they're stuck into this contract for. Um, they might be able to get out of it by next year because um, I believe what Sam was saying the last time we talked about it was that his contract is pretty front-loaded. But I don't think Jameis Winston gives the Saints a good shot to make the playoffs. Um, I know Ryan Clark uh, on first take, and I, I respect Ryan Clark a lot. I respect his opinion. But I, he believes that Jameis Winston's a guy to get them to the playoffs. 
I have to see it first. This man has not started a game in the NFL for about two years now. Okay? Is he still going to be prone to throwing those bad interceptions in a game? Um, if he shows he's got that under control, and maybe that procedure did help his eyesight a little bit, and, and getting to sit and learn behind Drew Brees for a couple of years, maybe that also helped. But he's got to show to me that he's the guy. Like he's the person that can that can lead a team. Um, and I I don't know what his weapons are going to look like. Uh, Michael Thomas is going to be out probably for at least the first few weeks of the season. You got Alvin Kamara, who's great. Uh, I've heard a lot of nice things about their rookie tight end, Adam Troutman, and I believe they got this receiver named Marquez Callaway, who made some noise against the Jaguars. Uh, They got the one kid out of UCF. Um, But I don't think that, you know, you look at that division, and it's the Bucks. And we'll see about the Falcons. Uh, they got a new head coach. Um, I, I don't know how good the Carolina Panthers are going to be this year, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, the Saints, they're older. Um, I, just, I don't know if James Winston's the guy. So it'll be interesting to see. I still think the Saints are probably about a seven or eight win team uh, with James Winston. Um, the Titans, again, struggling with uh, – COVID, uh, nine positive tests. This was a team that I, I believe last year had to put off like three games, uh, multiple games, because they, they had an outbreak of COVID. I don't know if it's Mike Vrabel and his team not following policy. I don't I don't know what's going on there. But the Titans can't seem to get it right. They, they seem to always, always, or I shouldn't say always, this is something we've only been seeing for the last, you know, year and a half. Uh, but they can't seem to get it under control. You know, everybody's going to have a couple positive tests here here and there. They had an outbreak last year, and now the same thing is happening again this year, including Ryan DeHannahill, their quarterback. And so, you know, I don't, I don't understand. Uh, I, I just, you know, I don't get it. We have vaccines here. I'm not going to get into this discussion about whether or not you should be vaccinated or not. Uh, that's not what this show is here for. Uh, I'm not into that. Uh, I believe that's your choice if you want to. But the NFL and the NFLPA has kind of started mandating it. And for this reason, I'm okay with it. And, you know, I'm sorry. A lot of people are going to disagree with me. Um, but here's my take on it, Okay. Unlike other businesses or other places, the NFL is a billion-dollar industry. You have, but you don't just have fans to appease. You have TV partners, please, as well. So if you have two or three games a week being canceled because of COVID, because the NFL has already said they're not going to – try to reschedule games with the extra game happening this year. They're now being 17 weeks. The NFL is not going to try to reschedule games. Fine. So they said, you know, if you can't play, you'll it'll be considered a forfeiture, okay, which not only costs players game checks, but could be playoff implications. But if you have these forfeits, Fox going to be happy about not getting that game? CBS? 
ESPN? Because you, you, you don't know. And then if you say, okay, well, we want to keep our Sunday night games and our Monday night games. So Sunday night, I believe, is NBC. Monday night is uh, ESPN. Okay. So now, what if you're in week five? And I even looked at the NFL schedule ahead, so I'm just this is a straight hypothetical situation here. Let's say you're in week five. Your Sunday night game is the Bucks uh, and the Packers. It's a Sunday night football game. But all of a sudden there's an outbreak. They can't play. They got to cancel. Okay. All right. So now, so now do you replace the Sunday night football game? Okay. So if you're having to replace the Sunday night football game, and let's say you have to go from Bucks Packers to let's say the let's say the Dolphins and the Colts. Okay. So either you cancel it, which is going to piss the NBC partners off, or you get a different game. So instead of Brady Rogers, you know, you get uh, you get Carson Wentz and the Colts facing Tua Tagovailoa. You know, the Dolphins are supposed to be pretty good. The Colts might be pretty good. It might be interesting television. I don't think that game moves the needle as much as the Packers and the Bucks do. The other problem is you can't just pick any game. And you can't just say, okay, well, Puck, uh, Bucks uh, Packers is canceled for Sunday night. So instead, let's take this uh, let's take this uh, Rams uh, Rams game against the Cardinals. Well, hold on, maybe Fox doesn't want to give the rights up to that game and move that over to NBC. Maybe they want that four o'clock uh, as one of their prime games at four o'clock because there's such a small amount of games being played at four o'clock. Maybe they still want that one. There's a lot of logistics to it. And so you end up pissing off TV partners. Um, and so here's the thing. If you don't want to get vaccinated, that's your choice. But I am fully with the NFL mandating it because they have so many people that they have to please. There's so many moving uh, lines here that you have to kind of straighten everything out. They can't afford to be losing two, three games a week because people are having an outbreak of COVID. So you get paid millions of dollars. This is your job. You want to keep playing, you get the vaccine. You don't cry uh, about, you know, missing game checks or this not being fair um, because, frankly, I don't, I don't care. When you get paid the money you do, then, I, then, then that's, that's, there's stuff that goes with it. So that's my take on that. Um, but yeah, the NFL, they got to do what they got to do. Um, <clears throat> going on, um, you know, I was looking at this, uh, first round, um, you know, and it's, it's really difficult, uh, to kind of peg some of these, uh, players, um, that I think are going to be busts. And it's usually easy to pick a quarterback out and say, that guy's, you know, one of the quarterbacks is going to bust. And that's usually pretty true. You know, let's say you have a draft where there's four or five quarterbacks taken in the first round. One guy is not going to live up to expectations. I'm going to be honest with you. My initial reaction was that Zach Wilson was going to be a bust. I And I that's, I truly thought when he draft, got drafted, because I, I, I saw that he started BYU for a couple of years. He had one really good season. Usually these quarterbacks that come into the league – 
haven't started a lot or they've only really got one season of film underneath, uh, under their belt, um, they usually bust in the NFL. They usually do. So I thought the easy picks would be Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. Well, you know, they haven't played an NFL snap yet, so it still could happen. But they are looking good. They look very good for their respective teams, the Jets on 49ers. One guy that hasn't, I don't believe, has looked great is Trevor Lawrence. And I don't know if it's, you know, it's a lot of weird stuff happening with Trevor Lawrence. Um, First off, Urban Meyer is his head coach. I don't think that does him any favors because Urban Meyer has never coached in the NFL. We talked about this, so I won't rehash this. But Urban Meyer doesn't seem to have a lot of faith in Trevor Lawrence, or he's either trying to motivate him by playing down how good he's looked and saying, you know, he hasn't wrapped up a starter yet. But that's not going to work. And I'm going to tell you, Trevor Lawrence came into this league already talking about how he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder, already talking about how he doesn't need to win a Super Bowl uh, to feel like he's successful. I'm having reservations about Trevor Lawrence right now because he doesn't seem hungry. All this hype since high school, the exalted one, the almighty, the the king of college football. And he won the national title, comes and he played for another one. I don't know if I see it. I don't see that fire. Um, I'm not going to say physically he doesn't remind me of this person. But mentally he does a little bit. Johnny Manziel. When Johnny Manziel came into the league, I thought to myself, this guy's a bust. And the reason I say that is because two reasons. First reasons, first reason, I watched him at Texas A&M. Played with Mike Evans. Okay? In those games at Texas A&M, he would run all over the field and fling up passes. Okay? He was athletic. In college, you can get away with doing some of those things when you are just purely more athletic than the other person you're playing. NFL, everybody's an athlete. Everybody's good. So you can't get away with some of the stuff he did. Uh, you know, his film was not overly impressive to me. And he's short. He's a short guy. Johnny Manziel was not a tall guy. So Trevor Lawrence there is a lot different because I believe Trevor Lawrence is about six foot five. But the thing about Johnny Manziel is – I didn't see that hunger when he came to the league. Now, his this is could be totally different. Uh, I don't know what Trevor Lawrence's financial background is, uh, money-wise. But Tony Manziel's parents had money. He had money. So I didn't see that hunger. And I'm not saying that every kid that comes into the NFL, if their parents are well-off or doing well for themselves, they're going to be busts. I'm saying... Sometimes you see in guys that hunger, that hunger to be great. They want to do uh, certain things. Peyton Manning was one of those guys. Peyton Manning, uh, you know, even though his father Archie played in the NFL, Peyton Manning was a student of the game, studious. Uh, Tom Brady, parents were well off, but he was a six-round pick. He had a giant chip on his shoulder. He had something to prove. I don't see that with Trevor Lawrence. I didn't see with Johnny Menzel. Didn't see it with Baker Mayfield. Maybe I'll be proven wrong with Baker. But I'm going to go on a limb. I don't know 
not Trevor Lawrence has the talent to succeed. I don't know if he has the mental makeup to succeed. He's one guy I'm care, keeping a careful eye on. Uh, another guy um, that I'm keeping an eye on is Devontae Smith. Um, he's been sidelined off and on with an MCL sprain in his knee. Um, he kind of seems to be – he runs really crisp routes, I hear, uh, when he's healthy. Is he going to stay healthy? Remember, I believe when Devontae Smith was drafted, he only weighed like 165 pounds or so, 170 pounds. He is not a big receiver. He played – and yeah, he deserved the Heisman. I'm not going to take that away from him last year. He was phenomenal for Alabama. But the thing about Alabama is you basically have a pro team down there in Alabama. There's about four or five schools in college football right now that you can sit there and say – they are legitimate factories for the NFL. They're going to send at least five or six guys every year. That's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, and uh, probably Florida or Georgia or LSU. Any one of those programs you can probably put in there. Like the top guys, they're all sending guys. Alabama, Devontae Smith was surrounded by Jalen Waddell. Uh, who got, then got hurt. And then I believe there's a couple other young guys there that are going to be starting now that they're gone. It, there was so much around him that you couldn't just focus on Devontae Smith. I'm curious, can he stay healthy in the NFL? If he can't, he's going to be out of the league in three or four years. Alabama receivers are very they – they fare better in the NFL than Alabama running backs. Uh, but they can also be hit or miss. Uh, Amari Cooper is pretty good. Uh, I'm not going to take anything away from him. He's a pretty good receiver, but Julio Jones is fantastic. Uh, so far, Henry Ruggs has been kind of a bust. Jerry Judy, uh, I think he might make some strides this year. Uh, and there's, you know, there's a handful of other Alabama receivers. Uh, I'm not going to go down the list. Uh, but I believe that Devontae Smith could really be – he could be good, uh, but – if you can't stay healthy this early in your career, uh, jury's out on you, my friend. Uh, another guy is um, Alex Leatherwood, man. Um, I he was kind of a reach by the Raiders. The Raiders have been known to be to reach recently in drafts. Um, I just I don't know. We'll see. I. Apparently, according to Derek Carr, um, he's, he looked very good. He's flashed in practice, um, but um, they're really high up on him in the Raiders organization. Uh, I don't know, though. Uh, I'm also going to pick Kadarius Tony and Christian Darisol. Some other guys I think will bust. Christian Darisol hasn't been healthy, hasn't even played at all, so I, he's already behind. And uh, Kadarius Tony for the Giants, um, he doesn't do anything in live drills. Uh, he's had a bout with COVID earlier, um, and he's been rehabbing a uh, small injury, but he's not shown anything in practice. So if I had to call out, those would be some of my picks for first-round busts. Um, but, you know, I'm wrong a lot. Um, I, I, I was really wrong when I thought Josh Rosen was going to be still the draft when the Cardinals took him at 10. Uh, I was also really wrong when I thought Josh Allen was going to be a bust, and there's been others, but uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. 
So, guys, week zero, college football on the way. Uh, I am excited because my beloved Nebraska Cornhuskers, um, and it's, it's very strange. Everybody always asks me, how are you a Nebraska Cornhuskers fan? Uh, I don't really know. Um, I was born in Ohio. I've lived in Ohio all my life. But I grew up watching Nebraska, ABC, watching them play Colorado, Kansas State, Missouri, right? I love that option offense. Uh, I fell in love with it. And I've been a Cornhusker fan since I was six. So uh, they've been down a lot recently. Uh, it's not been a lot of fun watching them, but they open up with Illinois. That's the big game of week zero because – um, you got UConn and Fresno State, and you got UCLA and Hawaii. I'm not going to move the needle a lot. Nebraska Illinois is a Big Ten conference game. This game was originally supposed to be played in Dublin, in Ireland, uh, but due to COVID, that was canceled. So uh, Nebraska opens up actually as only seven point favorites. Um, I, I shouldn't say. I guess only. Not much is expected out of Nebraska this year. Um, for once. Um, the media all seems to be picking against them, which is fine. I'm, I'm glad that there's no expectations this year. There's expectations last year. Uh, there's expectations the year before that. Um, and we failed to live up to them. So, uh, for me, minus seven seems a little low. I'm actually going to tell you, you know, if I'm picking, I'm picking Nebraska. And I'm taking that minus seven because I think they're going to win by a lot more. I actually think Nebraska wins by about 17 in this one. Um, we'll see. It's at Illinois, but they have a new coaching staff. Although Brett Bielema is no stranger to the Big Ten, um, he's not inheriting a well-run machine like he did at Wisconsin. Um, and it's not that he—it's not that he did terribly at, at Arkansas. Uh, he didn't win enough in the hyper-competitive SEC, uh, but. You know, Lovey Smith, I think, could recruit well, uh, but I don't know what was left in the cupboard. I don't follow a lot of Illinois football. So I still think my Huskers roll in this one. Uh, I hope we get the season off on the right note. Uh, But uh, one of the other games here, you got uh, Hawaii and UCLA. UCLA, 17.5-point favorites. Uh, Chip Kelly, similar situation as Scott Frost, who Scott Frost was the offensive coordinator for a while for Chip Kelly in Oregon. Kelly hasn't been able to get it going at UCLA, much like Scott Frost hasn't been able to really get it going at Nebraska. Uh, Chip Kelly, his return to college football has been bumpy. Uh, so is this year UCLA finally gets things right? I, You know, I don't know if they're going to be a 10-win team, but I think UCLA could be an 8-win team, uh, make it to a bowl game, and that's what they kind of need. And that same goes for Nebraska. I think Nebraska's ceiling is eight wins this year. Uh, I think their floor is probably four wins. Uh, when you look at their schedule, when you look at Nebraska's schedule, and you break it down uh, into what I what I call um, basically your scheduling tiers, and you have your your basically your must win games, then you have your toss up games. And then you have games that you're not really expected to win, right? Now, if you're in Alabama or an Ohio State or a Clemson, you don't have games that you're not expected to win. If you are a program that's trying to build and and try to get back to where you once were, you're going to have games like that. So I would say looking at this 12-game schedule, I would put Illinois, Fordham, 
Buffalo at Michigan State and Purdue as five must-win games. They got to win those games. Michigan State is expected to be one of the worst teams in the Big Big Ten East. Okay, Fordham is, I believe, one double A team. Buffalo is a MAC team. Uh, at you know, Illinois was a bottom feeder team last year that Nebraska lost to at home. Uh, and Purdue is also near the bottom of the Big Ten West. So those are five games that – so that should be five wins. But I've been surprised before. Uh, your toss-up games are going to be Northwestern at home, Michigan at home, at Minnesota, and Iowa. Okay? Iowa's at home. Of those four games I just mentioned, only one of them's on the road. That's at Minnesota. To me – Nebraska has to get two two of those games. They got to split it two and two. That gets you to seven wins if you win all five of the must wins. And then of the not likely to win uh, at Oklahoma, home against Ohio State, at Wisconsin. For those three games, if you lose all three, fine. That gives Nebraska a record of seven and five. Uh, if they happen to do better in the toss up games and get three and one, maybe you get to eight wins, or maybe you pull a surprise. You get the eight wins, and and you beat a uh, you beat Wisconsin, Wisconsin, or you pull off an upset early against Oklahoma, uh, or pull off a miracle against Ohio State at home, which I don't see happening. So when you got that, when you break down the schedule like that, you got you know you got to win those five games. Uh, then you got you got to go at least two and two in the four top of games, and that gets you seven wins. I think seven wins for Nebraska with this schedule, them going for next year. Uh, I know seven and five, you know, it wasn't that long ago where seven wins was looked at as a tragedy for Nebraska. Uh, I believe Jamal Lord one year, they went seven and six, I want to say, because they were seven and five in the regular season and also a bowl game. And I thought it was one of the worst seasons that we've ever had. Uh, And, oh, I was devastated. Now I'm like, okay, let's see some progress. Seven and five, so that's it. The first for Nebraska, but I do think they go seven and five. They they make the bowl game, win or lose, they got momentum for next year. Uh, next year, Nebraska, the schedule is a lot easier. Um, you know, Ohio State comes off of it. They still have to play Oklahoma, uh, but you know they got Northwestern. Uh, North Dakota, Georgia Southern, Rutgers, uh, Indiana might be a tough game. They might not be. Uh, you know, Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois, Iowa. So I, I think next year, if they go 7-5 this year, they had a good chance the following year of going 9-3 and three or 10-2, and two, and then all of a sudden you got some momentum rolling. So we'll see. Uh, UCLA, uh, their schedule uh, is fairly difficult. Um you know, they got to go after Hawaii, they got LSU. Uh, they got to go to Stanford at Washington. They got to end, end at Utah. And then they got Oregon and they got to be at USC. So, I don't know. I think Chip Kelly, I think I see seven or eight wins in there. But um, you, you never know. Uh, so, week one, though, week one is a banger for college football. So, that will be next week, um, Labor Day weekend. Uh, Thursday night, uh, a couple of really nice games opening on Thursday night. You got Boise State and UCF, and you got Ohio State and Minnesota. That is a sneaky game for Ohio State. Minnesota is quietly very good. I don't like PJ Fleck, but 
you know, hey, that's just me. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one to see. Uh, we're, you know, next week we'll talk about uh, we'll do some of the lines, but that's a Thursday game, so maybe we'll cover the lines on a Tuesday show. We're not going to be here on Monday like we normally are. Uh, Sam has another fantasy football draft on Monday, so we're going to come to you live on Tuesday. Um, but yeah, a lot of good games week one, and then that Saturday, you know, we're opening up with uh, Wisconsin and Penn State. Uh, which is a which is a great game and Miami and Alabama, uh, Indiana and Iowa, um, <clears throat> Texas and Louisiana. Which uh, you know I know Louisiana is a Group of Five team, but they're still ranked in the preseason top twenty-five. So that might be a little bit of a test for Steve Sarkeesian's uh, Longhorns. And you got Clemson and Georgia. So a lot of great Week One games. So we're we're gonna really uh, get going right off the bat there. And I'm really excited. Um, the other thing I really wanted to uh, discuss here um, is the pending Big Ten ACC Impact Alliance, and what does it mean? Um, uh, I don't know what's going to come of it. I believe that these three conferences kind of banded together to kind of stop the power grab by the SEC. Uh, does it mean – what I think it means, what I hope it means, which is we're going to see a lot of great non-conference matchups, probably not. Uh, it could mean just a gentleman's agreement to not poach each other's teams from the, uh, from each other. Um, some of the things I had heard is that they're going to agree on their – they're going to have a set conference schedule. So all three conferences are going to go to eight games. And what I'm hoping that means is that that extra non-conference games, we get to see some juicy matchups between the three conferences. Maybe we get a USD Clemson. Maybe we get, uh, you know, Ohio State, uh, Ohio State and Utah or Stanford, uh, or, you know, uh, Nebraska and, um, you know, North Carolina or, um, you know, Michigan uh, and USC uh, or Michigan and Oregon. So uh, what I'm hoping is we see some kind of big games. I know they don't want to disrupt the future schedules they've already made, so I don't think we'll see anything for several years. Uh, but, you know, it could be good uh, or it could end up being nothing. Um, you know, we'll probably know better in about four or five years. Uh, but college football is changing with the transfer portal and the name, image, and likeness where players can get paid. Uh, I think we're – we're seeing things change. And, you know, for some people, they might like it. Uh, for old school people like me, I don't know if I like it or not. Um, a lot of the, this conference realignment was done for money to get into TV markets. But with the advent of streaming now, I don't think these TV deals matter as much as they once did. I don't think uh, – I think it needs to go back to being a more regional sport uh, with the conferences being regional and not having West Virginia in the big Twelve makes no sense. West Virginia is out here by Ohio and they're traveling like their conference games are against Texas and Texas tech and TCU. Um, Iowa state. None of these places are close to West Virginia at all. West Virginia, if they were going to move from the Big East, made more sense going to the ACC or even the Big Ten. 
so I think a lot of these conferences, you know, Rutgers and Maryland makes no sense in the Big Ten. They did it for TV to go into the Maryland and the New York, New Jersey markets. But Rutgers doesn't really fit Big Ten athletics. Um, so, you know, they want to go to these super conferences. Maybe we'll one day see that. We'll see three or four conferences with 20 teams in it. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be a fan of that. But uh, And then what's to stop them from breaking off and doing their own NCAA tournament uh, if they decide they don't want to be part of the NCAA's rules and restrictions? So, I don't know. It used to mean something going to bowl games. It used to mean something to play in the Rose Bowl, to play in the Orange Bowl. It doesn't seem to matter anymore. All that matters is getting to the playoffs, and that's only four teams right now. Uh, so, sadly, college football is really just not what it used to be. Um, yeah, but I am looking forward to the start of the season. Uh, I will watch it until it no longer makes sense for me to watch it. Uh, but that's uh, that's all we got for tonight's Friday. Uh, sorry that Sam wasn't here. Uh, I went solo on this one. I had a couple guest callers that uh, I had possibly lined up for today that were going to try to make it on tonight, but they were unable to uh, call in. And that's okay. Uh, Friday night's a tough night for a lot of people. A lot of people have plans. They want to do fun stuff. They don't want to be sitting talking sports with me on a podcast. So I get it. Um, Tuesday, we should be back at full strength with me and Sam. Um, sorry if this was a boring show. Uh, I was doing this one by myself, so this is it's a little hard. I'm not as entertaining. I feel like I don't – even Colin Cowherd has Joy Taylor to play off of. So it's hard doing these by yourself with no body to kind of chime in or, or argue with you a little bit or banter back and forth with. Um, but uh, I am happy to be here doing this show uh, we are going to start being on Amazon Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts, so look for us there. Um, as always, you can catch us on our Twitter handle, at NoHuddle underscore with MS. Uh, we will be back to you live on Tuesday. We'll have a, we'll talk about the results of the Jake Paul fight. We'll probably talk a little college football results. We'll have a lot of stuff to discuss. I'll probably even ask uh, Sam how his uh, fantasy draft went and kind of dive into that. So, everybody have a good night. Take care. And with that, uh, we're out. Have a good night, guys.